I want to um, take a, a moment uh, to let you know something. Um, we have a very special guest here today, first time they've been here. And uh, in fact, I think it's the first time that they've worshipped, she's worshipped in a church in Florida. And that's Karen Berlin. Bishop Berlin's wife is with us this morning. And uh, I'm honored to have her here. I'm, I don't want to embarrass her. I want to welcome her. And Karen's on the, on the back row on this side. <laughs> and I want her to stand up. Karen, not quite the back row. Yes. She is the bishop's lovely wife. And uh, they, we're just delighted and pleased that they're here together as a team. She has she just moved here because she had a job up in Richmond and had to finish it out. And they they moved into their new house and just wish and pray for them the very best because we really needed them and we're pleased that they're here and thank God for them. I have a very long passage of scripture uh, to read to you and. But there's so much in this passage of Scripture that uh, it's worth listening to and it's worth taking the time to do it. It's the fourth chapter of John, the fourth through the thirtieth verses. He, Jesus, had to go through Samaria. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from a long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. (laughs) But, sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? Besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you give better water than he, his sons, and animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water that I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. You're right, you don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. 
You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you uh, Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place to worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gershon where our ancestors worshiped? Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on the mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it is here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father's looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, well, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then the disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her or why you're talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who's told me everything I ever did. Could he be the Messiah? And so the people came streaming from the village to see him. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we thank you for this passage of Scripture, for this encounter that you had with this unknown, unnamed woman of old. Thank you for coming and being with us today. And we wait for you. And we pray that you will bless us just as you blessed her. We really need you. And we wait for you in the name and in the spirit of Jesus, the one who cares about us all. Amen. Some years ago, I uh, pastored a church down in Coral Gables. It was a church that was located near the downtown. In fact, it was at the end of Miracle Mile, one of the high-class shopping areas of Dade County. We had a very large parking lot, and there were people who took advantage of us and parked their cars there, merchants and people who were shopping as well. And that was fine, except when we were having uh, some kind of a special service, maybe a funeral or uh, some special meeting that would be going on. Then we would have to close the parking lot. Well, uh, one time we were having a meeting of the Church Women United of Dade County, so we knew it was going to be a full house. So we put up the sign, no parking today. But I've I've learned that uh, there are just some people who believe that signs are for everybody but them. (laughs) So I figured I better police the parking lot. And sure enough, 
in drove a man in a very nice car. He got out of his car, and I said, Sir, the, uh, I, I'm sorry, but today we're having a special meeting here, and we're going to need every single parking spot. So you will have to move your car if you don't mind. And he said to me, well, I have special permission from Reverend Small to park here. So I said, Reverend Small? Who's he? He said, well, he's the pastor of the church. And I said, no, his name is Reverend Short. And you're looking at him. He never said a word. He just simply got in his car and left. Our scripture lesson for this morning is about, is about a woman who meets Jesus, doesn't have any idea who he is, but she discovers who he is, and it makes all the difference in her life and in, in the community. I want you to look at this passage of scripture, some things about it. First of all, it said that Jesus had to go through Samaria. It occurred to me that when I read that, there are just some things in life we have to go through. Some really hard, hard, tough things to go through. We may try to go around them. We may try to go over them. We may try to go under them. But there are just some things in life we have to go through. Some of you are dealing with some stuff right now that you have to go through. Well, Jesus had to go through Samaria, the scriptures tell us. It was not an easy place to go through. It was not a nice place to go through. In fact, uh, biblical scholars tell us that Samaria was sort of on the other side of the tracks to most pious Jews. It was a place that uh, people who had been, uh, who had come to the Holy Land as uh, foreigners lived. They came during uh, the Assyrian Babylonian captivity of, of, of Jerusalem, and they came and made their own homes there. And the Jewish people that lived in the area oftentimes married within that group of foreigners. So they were what we would call mixed breeds. They worshipped other gods, though some of them had sort of a Jewish faith as well, as we discover the witness of this Samaritan woman. But there were people who were also, because of its being sort of a shady area, it was where uh, people went for refuge and hiding that were criminals. So it was not a very safe place to go. And the scriptures tell us Jesus had to go through Samaria. I don't think it was so much a necessity that he go through that in a dangerous way. But I think Jesus had to go there because he wanted to go there. It was within his heart to go to a place like that. It's so much like the Jesus I know, that he would be drawn to the outcasts, those on the other side of the track, those that were even hated and despised by the more pious people. So Jesus had to go through Samaria. That was like him. It was something I think he wanted to do, he had to do in his heart. So 
he comes to this whale, the Jacob's whale. And it's, a, it's amazing to me of how in the midst of, of, of Samaria-like places, of places that are filled with the outcasts, there's always a whale. There's always a whale sort of place. It's a safe place and a good place. And here is Jacob's whale, a holy spot in, in the history of the Jewish nation. Jesus comes in the middle of the day. It's hot. And he's thirsty. And he sits by the, by the well when this unknown, unnamed woman comes to draw water. It's unusual for her to come at that hour. Most of the women would come in the early part of the day when it's cool. And it was often when, when they drew water together that they would have a social time together and would visit with each other. But this woman comes alone in the heat of the day. And one can only imagine why. Most likely it was because she had a shady reputation. And she had been, because of that, often rebuked by the other women. Not only was she rebuked, but she was also the subject of their gossip. And so she comes in the heat of the day by herself to evade the gossipers and to keep away from those who would even make fun of her. And who is there but Jesus? And he begins a conversation by simply saying, Would you please give me a drink of water? Now, most people wouldn't even pay much attention to that. But the Samaritan woman knows better. She knows about the prejudices of the Jewish nation. She knows that this man is a Jew. And therefore, he is subject to those rules of, uh, of the Jewish uh, tradition. And so she says, how is it that you, a Jew, would ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink of water? She knew the rules. It was against the law for a, a man by himself to speak to a woman by, by herself in public. But it was also against the law, Jewish law, for you to even speak to a person, much less a woman, who is from Samaria. So Jesus wipes away the prejudices and says, will you please give me a drink of water? She wants to know, how is, it, how is it that you would do that? And Jesus begins to give her a theological lesson. He said, if you had asked me for a drink of water, I would have given you living water. Living water that would spring up into you into eternal life. And the woman is earthbound. She's earthbound, just as we would be earthbound. How can you, how could you give me water? You don't have anything to draw water with. So how could you do that? And your water was better than the water Jacob had? My goodness. She had a great question to ask Jesus. But Jesus said, if you'd asked me, I would have given you this living water. It would spring up into you. And that sounds appealing to the woman. So she has a great prayer, a great prayer. We've been talking about the people Jesus met along the way and how each of them, almost every one of them, had a great prayer. Here's another great prayer for your prayer life. Evermore, give me this living water. 
Now, she wanted that water so she wouldn't have to come back and draw water from the well. She still didn't quite understand it. So Jesus says, look, if you want the living water, go get your husband. And she said, well, I don't have a husband. She confesses this. I don't have a husband. But Jesus, in his infinite knowledge, infinite knowledge, says, that's true. You don't have a husband. You have had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. This is a busy woman. <laughs> busy woman. And Jesus knows that about her. You see, that Jesus is the unique God-man. You see him as a man in this passage of Scripture thirsting for water. But you see his divinity when he knows all about this woman already. He has that knowledge, God-given knowledge, that she has five husbands, the man she's living with in her husband. He doesn't condemn her. He's not even confessing her sins. He is letting her know he understands her thirst, her human thirst. And in all of our lives, there is a certain thirst that we have that can only be quenched. They can only be fulfilled when we have the living water that Jesus gives us. Jesus knew that about this woman. He doesn't condemn her. He understands her. And he loves her. He wants her to have the living water that will quench her greatest thirst. So then she enters into sort of a theological conversation about where to worship. And Jesus gives a great statement about we worship God in spirit and in truth, that God loves that kind of worshiper. And uh, she said, well, I do know this. And you've got to know she's theologically pretty well, no, knowledgeable. She said, I know when the Messiah comes, when the Messiah comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus, again, discloses who he is, the unique God-man. He said, I am the Messiah. He makes that statement to this unknown, unnamed woman. And she realizes who he is. I am he. I am the Messiah. I am the I am. And the scripture says, she leaves her water jar. She leaves her water jar. I want you to look at that water jar with me for just a moment. That left behind forgotten water jar. I think I know why she left it. I hope it was filled to the brim because then Jesus could finally get a drink of water to satisfy his human thirst. That's not in the scripture. It's just something, RSV, Riley short version, add to that. But I hope it's there. But I want you to see the left behind water jar. I think I know why. I think I know why that water jar is left behind. It's because when you meet Jesus, there are just some things you ought to leave behind with him. You know what I mean? Sure, you know what I mean. That stuff that's burdened you down in life. 
that's keeping you from having the fullness of life. Those things that you thought would satisfy your deepest thirst that you haven't been able to fulfill. There's just some things in life you ought to leave behind with Jesus. But then I think she left that water jar behind because now she's got something more important to do. That water jar represents the mundane things of life that seem to be so important that are no longer important when Jesus comes. So she leaves the water jar behind. And what does she do? Listen to this. Listen to this. She goes to the town. She goes from the water, the well, to the town to tell him, come see a man. Could he be the Messiah? She goes back to those people who had been gossiping about her because she knew they needed Jesus. She goes back to the men who had used her for their pleasure because she knew they needed Jesus. She goes back to the town where the people are rejected and left behind by society and says, come, come and see a man. He told me everything I ever did. And the scriptures tell us the whole town came out to meet him. But we know what it's like to be the woman at the well, don't we? We know what it's like to be a to be the subject of of mean and harshness, to be left behind, to be put on the other side of the track. We know what it's like to be thirsty, wanting the living water. Well, here comes Jesus to this marvelous well where we are this morning. Here comes Jesus. And he says to you, if you ask me, if you ask me, I will give you water that will spring up into you unto everlasting life. We would do well to be like this unknown, unnamed woman of old who prayed, Lord, evermore, give me this water that I may never thirst again. Jesus wants to give us the living water. And that's the truth. Amen. Now may the blessings of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit Be with you, abide with you, and keep you in his peace, grace, and favor, now and forever, forever, and forevermore. Amen.